Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance access deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. Outdoor Adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. Gary's, that beard's filling out, man. Looking good. It's it? tight up against his face. <laughs> Look like he's groomed it. Yeah. Groomed it a little bit. Excelente. Pull, pull it up. Just Yeah, about like that. <laughs> the bottom of Rusty's beard is actually a wildlife management area. <laughs> 12,000 acres. I mean, I, oh, I, slow. I've only known you for about five minutes, but I feel like I can ascertain that immediately. That's a WMA right there. Some rough terrain. Oh, man. Well, great to see everybody well, this fine thanks. afternoon. This this is a this is the best one of the nicest afternoons we've had in a in a yeah, while. Doors open. Doors open. Yeah, here at the global headquarters. Right. Hey, to my left, Daniel Roop, Doctor Dan Roop. Good to see you, Dan. Happy to be here. We're going to talk about this podcast, the Secret Whitetail Secrets podcast, and I have I have two secret guests here. Then I'm gonna wait. We're till not the even end. gonna tell you who they are. The, the whole we're podcast. gonna disguise their we're gonna disguise <laughs> their voices the entire time. Hi, my name is. <laughs> oh, I've got a story. I've got a story. But uh, no, so we've got two 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 secret guests. I, I would also like to take just a second, and for anybody who is listening to this for the first time and don't understand the format of Bear Grease, I want to fill you in. Okay. The Bear Grease podcast is a documentary style podcast where we have multiple guests. We tell we tell stories. It's highly produced. 
we produce that every two weeks. Every other week, in the off week, we have a bear grease render. And render is a metaphor, okay? Metaphor is when you use a word that is not actually literally used, but metaphorically used. That word is a type and a shadow of the real word. So when you render bear fat, it turns into bear grease. And it's a process of heating that melts it down. And so in essence, we're taking the bear grease documentary style podcast. We're rendering it down metaphorically. Bringing the guests in, lighting them on fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then so the bear grease render is where all, we all sit down and talk about the big podcast. So that's what this is. And it's okay to make fun of you in the process, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's part. So if the adjective for the podcast is highly produced, what would the adjective for the render be? Like <laughs> a train mediocrely mediocrely produced. Fair. So skipping over our secret guest, which we'll come back to, Josh Spillmaker. Great to see you. Well, Landbridge thank you. Spillmaker. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah. You've been doing a little fly fishing. I've been fly fishing a lot, even in the... We had 10 inches of snow last week, and I went out and knit, and then... Trout I went don't out, care. I went out last... I went out on Saturday, I guess, and it was... The temperature was about 18 degrees, but man, that wind chill was something. Mm-hmm. And my reel was literally frozen, wouldn't turn. My line, I'd have to drip, dip my my rod in the water every few minutes because my guides would fill full solid full of ice mm. and but caught up some nice fish did you yeah went with my friend keith reeves do you know keith reeves yes yeah that was the first time i've met him and he <laughs> actually well I'll, I'll tell you what he but he messaged me on instagram once we get started talking about the podcast because it's uh he wanted to know apropos. he wanted to know yeah he wanted to know where i was fishing mm. and he said are you willing to share <laughs> and I had to sit there and think for a little bit. Am I willing to share my? Well, hot he's spot? he's asked me. He's seen a picture of me deer hunting by a creek in Arkansas. And he asked me where the creek was. Now, did I he was want to a, fish the a, creek? He or wanted to the fish creek. the creek. That's fair. That's fair. You're not a fish in the creek. No, he's it's, a it's pretty it's, avid this hunter, is a, though. This is, too. He's this a pretty avid serious. hunter, though. Good guy. Great. To, fantastic. To Josh's left. Back from wherever he's been. Like Again? the Black Panther himself, Gary Newcomb. <laughs> yeah, good to be here. Hey, Gary Newcomb. <laughs> hey. Good to see you. Hey, thank you. Hey, this dude has been all the way to California. On the campaign trail. <laughs> there you go. There you go, man. Now, tell us a bit, little bit about your trip to California. What were you doing? Where'd you go? Well, uh, there were four couples, and we all traveled by ourselves, and we ended up in the San sand dunes of southern california glamis the most famous best dunes in america mm-hmm. supposedly we stayed there four days and then we went north about two hours to uh moab no uh to uh king of the hammers in uh in the which desert. is a johnson v race huh which UTV is like race. A, yeah it, it was UTV everything race. big jeeps little jeeps motorcycles every day there's a race going on yeah and uh, we stayed there about five days, and uh, it was just extremely wonderful. And I couldn't believe it. My sweet little wife really enjoyed it. That's what I heard. I mean, it's just crazy. She'd go, "Hey, no, let's not leave yet. I want to see hey, this guy flip." Tell him, tell yeah, tell her about tell him about the one place where those guys were flipping, and <laughs> the she Judy wouldn't race? leave. The no, Judy she race? she 
a couple times she got in the fetal position riding with me. <laughs> you got to get your mind right. This is the safest thing we've done in three days. You know, the <laughs> interstate, you're liable to die any second. I have seen a photo of one of your side-by-sides consumed in a ball of fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I wasn't in it, though. I mean, I I just left it. Obviously, we're gonna I get lucky, to that. I was lucky to get out, but but anyway, <laughs> you know, there's uh several places that are just it's just crazy to watch this race. What they do, they go through the desert at 100, 110, 150 miles an hour. Then they go through the rocks at two and three miles an hour. They go down big drop offs, up drop, you know, climb huge stuff, and it takes quite a vehicle to do all that. Yeah. So anyway, so my life as a young man, was filled with what I just thought was normal. Turns out it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> that explains a lot. Riding in, riding in four-wheelers, side-by-sides, Jeeps with this guy. Hey, we're going to come back to your story. Let me introduce our secret guest. Mm. All right. Directly across from us. <laughs> oh, did it give out? I think the chair just gave out. Did it out. just break? Yeah. Dan Roop's chair just broke. Finally. We knew this was going to yeah, happen. The moment He's, has come. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and just... Now you just got a stool to say. I got a stool. Retired. Do whatever you I need to do. It's retired. Guys. We're good. Keep there going. we go. Keep going. All right. <laughs> Mo Shepard. My good buddy, Mo Shepard. The man, the myth, the All, legend. Also known as Mosley Shepard. <laughs> I didn't know podcast. that until the podcast, well, actually. okay. I didn't know I've it got, either. I've got some explaining <laughs> to do. Mo, greet everybody. How's everybody doing today? Glad it, to be here doing this doing this render cast. So. Yeah, man. I've known Mo for a long time. I don't know, 15 years maybe, maybe not that long. I meant what I said. Mo's one of the best mountain deer hunters that I know, hunting some rough rough ground and just going out and doing it he's he's he knows what he's doing um you don't and you he don't keep secrets you don't find mo's house on accident yeah you better know where you're going that's right that's right yep um so i'm going to introduce the other guests and then i'm going to tell why they have nicknames to his left no stranger to the berries po- render rusty johnson like rusty like. curly johnson <laughs> Yeah, good to see you, man. Good to see you. So Glad to be here. Both of you guys were my when when I decided I was going to do a podcast on secrets. I thought Daniel Roop because he's got a lot of secrets, <laughs> and then I thought you two because y'all are good at keeping secrets. <laughs> and uh, okay, here's what happened. Originally, the idea of this podcast, I was going to keep their identity sealed. <laughs> Did you notice there was some incongruency in the names? Did you notice that? I'm pointing. I, uh, maybe. Did you do you even know what we're talking about? No. I mean, did you listen do you to know the podcast? This, this podcast is about a podcast? <laughs> I know. Okay. I know. I know. I don't okay. know what you're talking okay. about. Well, Where you weren't I? paying attention. You lost me in the metaphor talk. Okay. I thought was, was, we're greasing something up. I didn't okay. know what was going on. So originally, I was going to interview these two guys, and I was going to hide their identity because, and it was going to be a joke because, like, as if they were telling secrets that were going to get them in trouble and get them <laughs> killed or something. And so when we sent it to production at Meat Eater, I was like, hey, let's disguise their voices like they do on the movies. Like when they're interviewing a mobster who's wanting to leak some info but not get in trouble. And so I built the podcast like that, and I gave him code names. And his name was – Mo's name was Mosley. 
and I just randomly mow and curly. So, <laughs> so I, I, I just, See, I just put that together. I just put that together. Rusty Johnson, <laughs> Rusty Johnson was just curly. And so I built all the voiceovers for these podcasts. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's actually quite a bit of work that goes into these podcasts. Oh, really? And I built, I built the. Uh, I thought you just recorded them on it? your cell phone. Who and... does the work? Uh, <laughs> me? No, no, no. We we got a great production team at Media that does a lot of it. Um, I just thought that was their names. Well, okay. I never specifically said like I just introduced him as Rusty Johnson, and then what I what I failed to do was when I so when I finally listened to it, I didn't. We decided we did not like the the disguised voices so i was like ah we just need to just come out with it and say their names so i changed the voiceover in two spots but i forgot to change the voiceover in all the other spots so i was calling them mosley uh. and curly and so rusty messages me that wednesday it came out <laughs> and he said why is everybody calling me curly <laughs> so, it's like an inside joke clay didn't tell you about yeah exactly come into work and everybody's like morning curly <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't listened to the podcast yet, and I'm like, what? Curly? Have you listened to the podcast yet? Nope. You might want to. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, how's, I, how's Beach Nut taking hold? Oh, it's it's doing pretty good. I is it say, getting some traction? I say Beach Nut. Yeah, Spencer Newhart's <laughs> nickname is getting some traction. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, no, so we're going to get back to you guys, but I did promise the world that I was going to ask you, I need you to tell us about the image that I put on Instagram about three weeks ago of a side by side in the twi- It was kind of a pretty photo. It was like, uh, pretty disturbing. Y- yeah. It was like kind of twilighty and there's about a, th- a side by side, just engulfed like completely in engulfed. Like 30 foot tall flames. Nothing. Ain't nothing left of that side by side. That's why I said it's a crime scene. Gary's yeah. covering his tracks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I what told, was in I told people that I would have I you tell that story. What what the heck happened? Judy was over in the corner in the fetal position. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it was real interesting to me in that my nephew and I ride together a lot. And we like to ride fast and we just enjoy getting together. And we did that a lot. Well, I had a, I had a, two, I, I had a 16 model razor. And all of a sudden, it started coming out in publications that these things were burning. So my Sean Marriott mm-hmm. called me, and he goes, hey, Gary, those razors are burning. And I said, you know, I read that. And I said, but it's only when they get hot. And he said, I watched my teacher. <laughs> Sean is a rocket scientist. <laughs> that man is a genius. I usually have to get hot when they burn. So I watch my temperature gauge, and I don't let mine get hot. So I'm fine. Smart. So I, I was going on about a 150-mile trip. Actually, well, I won't tell you where I was going, but I went through the mountains <laughs> secret, and through the woods. Secret. 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 We don't know uh, I, I looked at Rusty Bureau home grounds. I, I was uh-huh. heading down there. So on the uh-huh. way back, this was brand new. You were riding it, by yourself. Yeah, by myself, and it's a turbo, uh, and I'm real excited 150 about 150-mile ride. Yeah, r- real. And, I, and so I... I take my gas cans, instead of stacking them in there the way they were, I got this great idea that I had a better way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm. It wasn't a better way. <laughs> so I just drive this distance, and on the way back, I take a few little 
jumps and runs and, you know, bouncing off stuff, filling that turbo. Well, about the third time I got airborne, when I landed, those gas cans turned over. Mm. And, uh, you know, at the time, I didn't see a lot of danger to me. <laughs> but when I look back and comments from people, they go, you know, you were pretty lucky to get out of there. And uh, so, you know, if it had been a wreck, you might get trapped. But anyway, I got out. There was well, no well, way to what, put it what out. Hap- I mean, you're just riding we're and not, you feel yeah, heat was it, coming was it dripping yeah, on, yeah, the, on the I'm exhaust. Like, we're looking not, in the back and I'm seeing I'm running about 40 miles an hour and there's flames, you know, shooting up. So I, of course, slam on the brakes and I look for water. I look for dirt, look for anything. There's nothing there. So I, I just backed off. I left a uh, real expensive pair of binoculars and <laughs> I regret it. That's the only thing you regret. Yeah. Uh, I had good insurance. So anyway, I just thought, man, I got about a six-mile walk out of here. You could have lit a signal fire. I think he did. Well, I, I tell you. I think he um, did. It didn't work. Dang. I walked to the highest hill I could find and called uh, uh, James Lawrence. Yeah. And he came and got me. Yeah. So, And he probably just sniffed you out. He knew exactly where you were by the cell phone. James you, said, you, I felt a disturbance in the forest. Exactly. <laughs> I knew there was a fire over you, there. You dialed his number, but you could hear his phone ringing. He stepped out from behind an oak tree. <laughs> I've been you watching know, you this whole uh, time. Yeah, I saw that coming, Gary. The the you know the aluminum was melted, the engine. I mean, everything was just it was just it was nothing. The steel was remaining. That's about it. And yeah, I, my, holy cow! And I, my Swarovskis were ooh. melted. Mm. Yeah, I agree with the, what some people commented on. I read some of them comments because you got that hot machine, you got all that stuff, and you got gas cans in there that turned over at night. It's wonder that thing didn't blow and just yeah, blow exactly. you and everything. Yeah, I know. You know, that could have been the real danger. But but they had a hose that was coming loose when it got hot, and it was dripping <laughs> fuel on the turbo, and that was causing them to burn up. But mine was because... <laughs> Somebody had set gas cans in the wrong place. That's right. <laughs> it is. I mean, it sounds like a very safe activity when you describe it all. I feel like. Yeah. You trust me. Driving around with a bomb. <laughs> so, uh, well, is anybody else here ever had a machine catch on fire? I did, I did see. Once. I did see in Mena, Arkansas. I pulled up to the stoplight right there by the, by the what's the, the train there downtown? What's that? I can't remember what that gas station is right there. But I looked over, and there's an old man, and I see smoke coming from under his hood. And within two seconds, there were flames rolling out, and he's at the gas pump. And I see him get back in the car and try to start it so he could drive it off. And he's in the car, and somebody, somebody comes running out of the gas station, grabs him out of the car, and reaches in and puts it in neutral, and they push it away from the... From the gas wow, pumps, wow. and everybody was just, intense. yeah, trying to so, get the heck so out of Dodge. one time, I had a 1991 Jeep Jeep Cherokee. Uh, it was, the year was probably 2005, 2006. Was, was it red? It was a good It wasn't Jeep. red. It was, was kind like, of burgundy-ish. Yeah. And one day, I was driving to the U of A, and I see, I'm in Fayetteville, Arkansas, driving down college, and I see smoke start to come out from underneath the hood. And I just go, oh, man, that's not good. And I I was within about a half a mile from an O'Reilly's. 
and kind of downhill. And so I just thought, I'm going to make it to O'Reilly's. I'm ride this thing out. And so I just made it into, and the car was driving, the Jeep was driving fine. <laughs> I pull into O'Reilly's and there's more smoke coming out from under the hood. And I, and I pop it, open the hood, and there is a pack rat nest on oh. top of the hood that is in flames. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just like when I opened the hood, it was like, yeah, that's what I needed, oxygen. And so <laughs> the, it just went. <laughs> and, uh, and so I run into the O'Reilly's, and there's like people in line, you know, and everybody's just standing there being quiet, like waiting. And I go, hey, uh, uh, my Jeep's on fire in the parking lot. <laughs> and I promise you, the guy behind the counter I mean, it was like he could have cared less. <laughs> he was just like, he just kind of, people won't be able to see what I'm doing. He's, I'm, I'm acting like I'm a 60-year-old man that doesn't care. And he was just like, what? And I was like, my, my Jeep is on fire. Do you have an, a fire extinguisher or water or anything? And he was just like, well... There's a bathroom over there. There's a there's a toilet full of water. There's a pitcher. There's a pitcher over there. And I just run behind the counter, grab this pitcher, run back to the bathroom, put it under the sink, and get the pitcher only about halfway Meanwhile, full of water. Your Jeep's outside getting Gary Newcomb. And I run back outside and just douse the Jeep. And it, luckily, it never fully caught on fire. It just it just kind of burned all the hoses on the top, and uh, but that that pack rat nest burned up. You've had some bad luck with pack rats. Pack in your rats vehicles. will destroy your life. Yeah, I had one. <laughs> I had one vehicle burn up on me in '79. I Did had you? an old '69 Volkswagen I'd bought the year I graduated out of school, and this was year after that. And I'd cut it down, made a Baja bug out of it. To make a long story <laughs> short, I was out in the mountains out there in the in the in the Ozark National Forest, just riding some old trails. And I guess I'd accumulated leaves up around the engine on the back of that old Volkswagen. Mm. Didn't know it, and they got up around the manifold, and I was driving down the main road up there. I'd come out of the woods, kind of like Gary said a while ago. I was driving along, it was about dusky dark, and I could just see illumination inside the, <laughs> inside the Volkswagen Baja bug. <laughs> and I turned around and looked, and the whole back console behind the back seat was on fire. Oh, wow. And I slid it off the road, run over, and went to getting dirt out of the ditch. And I finally got it put out, but it melted the motor and everything. It was trash after that. Oh, I'll be it. darn. <laughs> so three out of six of us here have had vehicles burn, mine being the, the least. Have you ever had anything burn? No. Rusty Johnson. Never had one burn down. Nope. Wow, like really I said, I got fortunate. the fire put out, but it done trashed. It burnt all the wire and Apparently everything, it's and I an didn't fixing it. I'm well, not talking. This is a podcast on secrets. <laughs> <laughs> is Burgundy not red? I mean, it, no. <laughs> no. No. Bur- Are Bur- they in the Burgundy same is like dark purple. Oh, that's red. Yeah. Burgundy is Burgundy. That's why they call it Burgundy. One more story that's relevant to the time, okay? And then we're going to actually get in there and start talking about this podcast, because I've got a few things. I need to draw out a rusty mo. Yeah. Okay. Good luck. Um, they so today is February fourteenth. It's Valentine's Day. We're recording this on Valentine's Day. This will come out as a gift to our wives. Um, February thirteenth. Does anybody know what February thirteenth is? The day before Valentine's Day. Yesterday, the day before Valentine's Day. Dad, Dad will know. You you wouldn't know this, but in my house, February thirteenth is Jackhammer Day. Jack Hammer Day. When Ooh. I was, do you remember? No. When I was a junior in high school, when I was a junior in high school, 
one day I, I went and I had baited some hogs. Jackhammer like the broadhead? Well, just wait. Okay. 24 years ago. Calm down, Josh. Was it 24 years ago? <laughs> was this I was your a junior in high school? Aren't first you 40? junior year? Or your? It was my first junior year. Okay. Aren't you 40? <laughs> I'm 42. Oh, okay. Well, then it was 26 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're older so, than you look. So, <laughs> so <laughs> hey, that was a compliment. I thought he was digging on me. Yeah. No. No, that was a compliment. Yeah, oh, thanks, Mo. That was nice. <laughs> um, I was a junior in high school, and I had I had baited some hogs down on some some land that I'm not going to tell you where it was. Mm. And uh, what I had done was I had uh, dug a hole in the ground about probably 18 to 20 inches deep and about probably 20 inches wide. So envision a circle hole in the ground. The, the hole was near a creek, and the creek was in a big, flat, hardwood bottom. And there was a... The ground came up out of the creek and was flat for about 20 yards and then had like a 10 to 12 foot steep rise and then it flattened out again. So it was like a secondary floodplain. If that mm-hmm. makes does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yep. You'll see this like in a, a lot. Like a steep bank. Like a steep bank. Well, what I did was I put that hole about 15 yards from the rim of the higher bank. Mm so that I could walk up and peek over the bank down to the creek to this hole in the ground. Bushwhack the hogs. Okay, that's exactly right. So I filled that hole with corn. And we didn't have trail cameras or anything back then. I mean, just nobody was using trail cameras. And I even raked out the leaves about 50 yards going up to where you look over the edge so that I could walk without making any noise. And I set the trap and just waited, you know, I can't remember if I waited four or five days or, or how I knew that there were hogs in there. I may have just been guessing that they would be there. And this is the kind of dad Gary Newcomb was. The night before, I just had a inkling that it was the day to go. And I said, hey, I'm not going to go to school tomorrow. I'm going to go hunt those hogs. <laughs> Do you remember that? Okay, he shaved probably didn't no. even tell him. I did. I really did. I, I just told him, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to hunt hogs. And, uh, cause I remember the next day being in the classes that I missed, uh, for some reason, I vividly remember the look on one of my teacher's faces. He wasn't angry. He, I just remember it. Just disappointed. Um, so I go down there, get there just after daylight and it just worked like clockwork. I walked in those, the, the leaf where I'd scratch the leaves back, and I'm carrying a 65-pound pull, high country, X, what was it, high country? Excalibur. Excalibur, with hatchet cams, shooting about a 500-grain era, and at that time, we were shooting jackhammer wasp broadheads, which is an expandable broadhead. And at the time, it was like, I mean, we just were shocked at how good they killed deer. Right, Dad? Absolutely. I mean, just because we were coming out, you know, those were some, that was kind of the first gen I think mechanical I still head. have some that I got from you back then. Yeah, I bet you do. Did you ever shoot jackhammers? No. Yeah. No. Well, so <clears throat> Rusty was, that, that was kind of a judgmental no. Rusty was like, <laughs> no, I never shot jackhammers. <laughs> His beard's a WMA. What do you think? <laughs> I think he shoots jackhammers. Mo, did you ever shoot mechanical broadheads? You don't shoot mechanicals in recurves and longbows. That's right. That's right. Mo's, that's the ultimate, like, slap. Um, he's like, 
big men, real men don't use mechanical broadheads. <laughs> well, no, they did real good with, with deer. And I, I walk up over this rise just after daylight. I didn't hear hogs. I just was just, I wonder if they're there. And man, I raise up over the little bank looking down and, and there is a big, big hog with his head completely submerged in that hole. I mean, just like his, I mean, he can't see me. He's down there crunching corn. And I mean, here I am. And I'm just like, holy cow, it worked. You know, I'm just a kid, you know, like 16, maybe 17. You're very excited at that oh, moment. And he's standing there broadside. I think it was 18 yards. And so, I mean, I had an air knocked. I was ready. I drew that bow back and just put it right behind his shoulder and shot. And man, that arrow looked like it bounced off of him. <laughs> the arrow just stuck him right where I was aiming, just right behind the shoulder, just like I would have shot a deer. And he literally kind of grunted and just just plowed, you know, just disappeared, you know. And within 10 yards of that hole, that arrow was laying on the ground. And I just was in shock. I mean, it just it more or less bounced off of the hog. And I walked down there, and it had about how much penetration? I remember that so well. We've got a picture of it. I mean, probably three inches of penetration. And it must have hit him in that big shield. Oh, yeah. You see, you trusted your dad. It's like Tyler at the time. <laughs> I told him how to jump a sand dune, and it almost <laughs> killed him because he did it exactly the way I said. I told Clay how good those jackhammers were. Yeah. He trusted me. Well, that was the beginning point of us learning that you couldn't shoot those hogs right behind the shoulder with a, especially with an expandable head and not a big hog. I mean, it, it was a big hog. I mean, it was a 300 plus pound hog, I believe, based upon the track. And I was pretty good at judging them, judging their weight by track back in those days. Mm. And uh, anyway, jackhammer day, because listen, this is all coming back around. I know y'all are just like, where is this going? Where is he taking us? Um, listen. The, the next day, I go to a young lady's house who I happen to be courting. Her name was Misty. Mm. Does Misty know about her? <laughs> <laughs> That's why Misty's not here today. It's all historic. This is confession Misty, time. Misty had made a vow not long before that that she would never marry a hunter. And oh. this was early in our relationship. And I recounted the story of what had just happened to me, just like the day before. And she had never heard anyone tell a hunting story. And it immediately, she was like, I like this. I, I'm in I, love. Can, I can live with I'm this. I'm in love with can this. Can you believe man. that? That is a great Valentine's story. <laughs> yeah. Is it not true day? love? Jack the story of truth. So last night, last night, uh, while we're at church, she texted me in the in the meeting. Okay, yep, it happened, and she said, "Happy Jackhammer Day." She remembered all on her own. There you go. I wondered really. if she would. You need to get there one of those jackhammers and like put it in epoxy, like clear epoxy, so she can keep it on her shaped desk. in a heart. Yeah, shaped in a heart. <laughs> shaped epoxy in a heart. shaped heart. Now that's if that's not romance, I don't know what is. Me neither. So I had to tell that story on Valentine's Day.
Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Montana Knife Company was founded by Josh Smith, one of the world's most experienced master bladesmiths. He's been making knives for 30 years. Made in the USA and manufactured locally in Montana. The knives come with a multi-generational warranty and free sharpening. Designed, tested, and built by hunters, MKC is a hunting knife company first and foremost. They have the sharpest knives out of the box and the easiest knives to sharpen. And that is the dadgum truth. You better be careful with them when you get them. They are sharp. MKC is a fast-growing company. They just hired their 55th employee and are looking to hire about 50 more in the next year or so. I've carried a lot of these Montana knives, and the one that I like the most is their Speed Goat, which is a lightweight hunting knife, just the right size. MKC knives sell out within minutes of being released. So head over to MontanaKnifeCompany.com. They have new knives for sale every Thursday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So check their website and sign up for their text and email alerts. That is the best way to find out when they have knives available. Use code BEARGREASE10 for 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. All right, Mo, did you, so you were really in the dark on what I was doing with this podcast. You just kind of trusted me. Yeah. Was I've my made, trust. I've made that mistake several my, times. But <laughs> say mistake. Was, was, uh, was, was my did I did I pull through on being trustworthy or were you like doggone it he pinned me in the court so that's why I had you here so you could anything defend that I yourself. made you look like you can defend yourself now 
defend myself. Huh? No, I mean, if you're if you're like, well, no, nah, it was all okay, then we're fine. <laughs> he, well, I guess most of it was, but uh, <laughs> most of it. Yeah, you didn't tell me all the truths of the of what was going on when we first started. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah you first Rusty. told me you know that our voices was going to be disguised. Nobody would know who we were or anything. Yeah. And then the podcast comes out and you introduce us. <laughs> uh-huh. I thought, well, he didn't do anything he said he was going to do. So <laughs> other than that, it was pretty good. Yeah. So. Hey, at least you knew you were being recorded. It yeah. has happened before. Yeah. Snuck it in there recordings. Uh, oh, yeah. I did a whole podcast just now. Okay, Rusty, do you feel like you've been cheated in any way by uh, me? No, but, you know, whenever you ask me to do it, uh, I didn't know. I mean, I asked you how could I prepare. You know, is there anything I can do to prepare? Oh no, it's e. It's going to be easy. <laughs> Typical Clay Newcomb. It's going to be easy. Don't worry <laughs> about it. It's going to be easy. But no, it it turned out pretty good. I mean, you caught me off guard on a couple. But <laughs> yeah, well, I, actually, I I could. I've got some some dirt. I mean, I could release the full oh. episodes of these. I talked to these guys for like an hour. But remember, if you do that, you gotta re- you gotta re- you gotta release the stuff that I asked you that you didn't yeah. put on there <laughs> yeah, either. Mo, oh. Mo turned the tables after a while. He was like, "Yeah, hey, what about you?" <laughs> now, thank you, Mo. Now, and then see, he says, "Then he says, then Clay says, well, no, this is going to be on the podcast. So don't worry about it. We don't need to talk about it.'" So, <laughs> yeah, Betty did scrambled there for a minute, didn't he? <laughs> uh, well, I did put at the end, Dan interviewing me. Yeah, so I, I thought that was fair. Yeah, but he don't know you as well as like me and Rusty, and <laughs> Josh, and us do. So, uh, what 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 y'all think of the podcast? I thought it I, I thought it was I actually didn't know where the podcast was going in the beginning, and uh, I thought it was really good because you know I had a great talk with Keith about about this stuff because there there's a lot of guys that are real secretive about stuff. I I have had a different upbringing inside of hunting and fishing, especially that. I feel like I've had, I almost feel an obligation to share what I know because I know so many people have shared with me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, I think being able to foster a love, um, for being outdoors and hunting and fishing, um, sometimes trumps keeping it secret, sure. but sure. you know, that's, that's coming from me from a totally different experience in life with hunting. Yeah. And fishing. So you're coming from a very like kind of quote unquote healthy hunting background. Clay's like an abused child. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> undereducated, <Absolutely. laughs> abused. Yeah. But I, it was interesting that that Keith texted me because he, he hadn't heard the podcast. Oh, okay. And he said, he said, "Hey, I, I was just wondering. I'm going out to to Beaver Dam, and I'm just wondering if you had any spots that that you would feel comfortable sharing." <laughs> I was like, mm. I was like, well, how about I go with you, and I if I feel good about it, <laughs> I'll show you a couple well, spots. You know, I think. It, it, it's possible some people, I, I heard some people's comments on it, and I don't think they really listened to the whole podcast. So what we did here was we we used hunting just as an entry point to talk about the way people manage information they have. Mm-hmm. You know, So like, yeah, we talked about hunting secrets, and that was kind of what we used. But really, we were looking at, you could have you could have made that podcast about tennis. Yep. It's it's how we share information and why we share information. Or why it, we don't. Or why we don't. And who we share it with. And you know, it, it really was a a study for me because it, it, it happened just the way I said it. I was sitting in a tree up here 
on November 1st, and I had a picture of this big deer. And there was nothing more that I wanted to do. I mean, like, I'm, like, scrolling through my phone trying to find somebody to send it to that I hadn't. And I'd send it to very few people. I'd send it to probably everybody in this room. I'd, I'd shared it with Mo and Rusty. And uh, I told you all different versions of that story <laughs> of where it came from. <laughs> all different versions of where it came from. Uh, this is a public land deer in Kansas. This is a – no, I'm just kidding. No, uh, it, but – and I was just like, this is this is weird. And, and, and I had – it's not like the first time I've ever thought of this. We share stuff with people because we want – I mean, we like to share something with like-minded people. But really, it's deeper than that. You know, it's, 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 it is a request for friendship. If you really yeah, think about it, it. really is. And that's what Dan did such a good job of describing, just kind of going back into human psychology. And it's like, we, we trade information for stuff. And that stuff is friendship. And we want to trust people. Like, I want to be able to send Rusty a picture. And, and it's like, hey, I'm giving you something that I can trust you with. You want to, but you can't. <laughs> I, I really want to. but uh, I want to, Rusty. <laughs> but, uh, Dad, what did you think about it? You know, it was very revealing, even though I think deep down most of us realize why we share information. <clears throat> in, in my thoughts on it, change, a, you know, off and on. Like, I, I just had the thought that um, we share for entertainment. I, I yeah. get this with some of my writing buddies where... Uh, you know, one goes, Hey man, I'm right in the middle of a business deal. I'm not, I just can't talk about fun stuff. I mean, that's the exact words. I don't have time to talk about fun stuff. So we love to share. I can't wait to tell him something that I've done with my machine. You know, I want to talk about it. it. So it's really fun. It's like you take a trip and people say, Preparation is as much fun as your vacation, and a hunting trip especially. You're preparing, you're shooting your bow, you're getting your equipment, you're buying this, you're buying that, you're getting ready. That's as much fun as going out there and sitting in a tree for five or six days and not seeing a deer. You know what I mean? It's, so there's a social aspect. I'd, inter I'd be interested to see what you say about that, but uh, that's entertainment, and most of that entertainment, I think, is survival. You know, I'm trying to survive. I'm Gary Newcomb. I'm trying to survive. I got to have mental health, physical health. I, I can just go to spiritual. I can just go down the list. I need all that to be healthy. And to be healthy, I got. I can't be taking care of Dan Roop. I got to take care of me. None of us can. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you, you know, we, we do things to make each of those aspects of our life stronger, mm -hmm. you know. I, I want to build my image up in Dan's eyes so he will respect me more. Right. I want to show him a picture of this deer so he'll know for sure that I'm probably a better hunter than Clay. You know what I mean? So so everything you yeah. said, I agree with. Where would I, you put the entertainment, though? But you, know, you, you didn't put the entertainment in there. That's because I'm not very good. But as as, <laughs> you're, as as just even as you're saying entertainment makes me think, you know, a lot of times entertainment, we can kind of talk about it, it almost has like a negative connotation. Oh, you're just wasting your time on so much entertainment or we'll go to some kind of entertainment to distract ourselves from what we really need to be doing. But sharing things that bring us joy 
has immense amount of value. I mean, that's really what entertainment is. Is that not relationship building? And that though? is relationship so building. I, I think that would yep. be like a subcategory because you're not sharing entertaining stuff with someone that you aren't in, that doesn't have some interest in what you're doing. Absolutely. And you're trying to say, man, I need somebody that'll laugh with me today. Yeah. And, and you, you and know. you're, and it's more than if, if social media is kind of pseudo identity validation i get a like and i kind of feel better but also don't like rusty (laughs) so i knew that was coming so i knew that was he even looked at you grabbed me that curly beard i know why they call you curly um but like rusty johnson wma (laughs) wma but you know like watching a tv show that's one thing that's entertaining but going out and sharing an experience in the real world that you both value and you both derive joy from and that's true entertainment, and it builds true, you know, really deep relationships. So there's a ton of you value. Know, I would say, and I'm building off what you're saying, because there, there are plenty of, it's it's not like, yeah, this was like an exhaustive look into human psychology, but entertainment would be, or, or just having fun is a massive part. I mean, I, I am friends with people that I have fun with. Yeah. I mean, I'm very... Friends with very few people in a deep way that I don't enjoy and laugh with them. I mean, you know. And I think because if you're going to have fun with somebody, you got to be able to relax. And you got, and it's almost as if whatever kind of facade you put up wherever you go to think you got to be a certain way when you're around somebody that you can really let your guard down. I feel you like can to, take off that stick on mustache, <laughs> Dan. I feel like if I can let that guard down, then I can really enjoy something. And I only let that guard down with certain people. And so maybe the real secret is like me being my, my, myself, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I reveal that to certain people and then I can really enjoy, you know, whatever it is we're doing. Yeah. Hey, we're, we love to tell stories. I mean, it's, if I've got a good story, I mean, it's, I can't hardly, like when you were going, dad, I want to hear something from yeah. you. I didn't. I I didn't get too excited about telling about the fire. I was thinking about some other stuff I'd love to tell, you know. So, but uh, I can't. I mean, it's it's fun. It it's it does something internally. You just like it. You know, you're the center of attention. You, you're you're just doing what you want to do. So, uh, yeah, I think that's real important in our lives is to have something to say that has meaning to other people, well, and you can get their attention. Yeah. What gives it value is that when you tell a story and we tell you, yeah, that was a great story. You yeah. just in whatever way right. we do that, you know. Right, right. That That is really meaningful. It validates identity. It really does. When I stand up and tell a story and you guys laugh, it reinforces to me that I am who I thought I was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's just the truth. You know what I'm saying? You know, the way that gets away from secrets, but... The secret could be I'm doing that to build myself up in Rusty's eyes. I, he doesn't know me, you know, so I'm trying to tell a story to impress him that, hey, this is really a good guy, or this guy's a great hunter, or whatever. Just don't go so, right so side most, by side. Most with things him. are real selfish, you know. Rusty, what what did you think? Well, I mean, I had fun doing it, but I got kind of a story too. So after the podcast, uh, my son, Rustin, he's like, dad he said you know you've taught me a lot of stuff and he said i've mainly picked it up by just watching you he said you are so secretive 
You're so used to keeping everything such a secret, you don't even open up to your own son. He mm. said, why not? He said, you should, of all people, you should open up to me about everything that you know. <laughs> everything that you so know. this got real. Yeah. And? I said, you got a good point. I mean, um, I want to be so secretive about all this stuff that I neglect my own son. Now, just to clarify, the the on the podcast you talked about how your son, who 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 I know and is a friend of mine, Rustin, mm-hmm. is uh, your adult son. He's how old is Rustin? He's twenty five. Twenty five. Mm-hmm. That I mean, you guys hunt together like your I mean, like best friends. Yeah. I mean, y'all hunt. So y'all, he's not talking. You're not ho- keeping hunting secrets from him. Oh, uh, look uh, at the hesitation. I, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, it's not like you're, I mean, you're sharing deer. So what, tell me what he's talking about. Just like certain like strategies and, you know, why do you do this or why do you not do this? He says that I don't explain myself. You know, if I'm doing something, I'm just expecting him to watch and I figure see. it out on his own. So he's critiquing your me. communication mechanism. Right. He's not saying, dad. You're withholding me no. because you're intentionally. Afraid. Yeah, he's just saying you're you're so used to not communicating. I'm, you're not communicating with. I'm him. not purposely withholding information from him, and I, my dad was the same way. He did not purposely withhold stuff, but I mean, he was he didn't communicate. He was so secretive of a guy that he would not just open up and just freely communicate verbally what he was doing and why he was doing it i had to really watch and it took years of watching him doing what he does and our friend dalton he says the same thing he's like man he said i've picked up so many things just by being around you without you even having to say anything you know i've learned a lot basically through osmosis you know Mm -hmm. but rustin's like man he said you you need to just open up to me and just just tell me everything and mm, explain yeah. everything. Just open up. Mm. I, think, I, I mean, I, I find myself not doing that when I I should be doing that, especially to him. Yeah. It does say a lot that he feels like he can say that to you. Mm-hmm. You know? I, mean, I think that says it done. He wants to – you guys are obviously close, but the fact that he can say that means he just wants even more of you. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is actually – I mean, it's opened my eyes to some stuff like that that, that I think is going to help me and him. No, that's good, man. Yeah, Mo, what'd you think? Just well, in general, just general. I mean, did yeah, it? Yeah, it, it. And uh, I've had several texts. I've even talked to a couple of my friends, and you know, they said uh, that's very interesting. Said uh, we didn't realize that you know you were like, holding out on. Yeah, him. like a couple of them told me. They said, <laughs> "What have you not told us about, or what have you not showed us a picture of?" I said, "Well, you probably never know because if I haven't showed you by now, I'm not going to or tell you either one." <laughs> So we had some pretty good laughs about that, like I said, in person or on the phone or even by text message. There's been several people and my friends, my hunting friends, and even some of my work friends that, that uh, listen to it and stuff. Mo, are, now I know that you and your wife hunt and fish together. Are there pictures of game on your phone that you won't show your wife? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Just checking. Just check it, yeah. It, it is yeah. Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You better <laughs> show Hey, baby, it. I want to show you a picture of this yeah. buck. <laughs> I've been saving she, this one. She doesn't deer hunt a lot. She likes to go when the weather's nice and stuff like that. She don't like the cold I, weather I, and stuff. I don't figure. I can't figure out why why wives are so contingent on the weather. Because my but wife's she, the same her way. Favorite thing to do is, her favorite degrees. thing to do is turkey hunt. She loves turkey hunt. So that's how I met Mo turkey hunting 
on the youth. Yeah, years hunt. ago, yeah. down by a spot we won't he, reveal. That's right. <laughs> but he, and he's a heck of a turkey guide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Dan, what was your overall take of it? I mean, you we we you were on the podcast. Yeah, but but any yeah. any thoughts afterwards? No, I th- similar. How to do Rusty. you feel like you did? <laughs> I, okay. It. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, similar to Rusty. So I've got, uh, if my daughter was ever interested in it, it'd be awesome. But I've got three sons who, to varying degrees, are right now they're 16, 14, and 12. And to varying degrees, you know, we've just been back in the States functionally to kind of hunt for about a year. And um, I think after even talking it out loud with you and then thinking about it and realizing how much of how important it is to me. Like what happens inside of me when I hunt and I do what I do. I've never wanted to force anything, especially on my boys. I wanted them to feel like they could kind of decide who they were for themselves. And if they wanted to do something like I do, that's great. But if not, then I'm going to, in a way, kind of with that kind of stuff that I deem as like entertainment, what Gary said, or kind of like almost like a hobby. I don't want to shove that down there, you know, who they are. But I think... So one of the things that I'm I'm going to do is this summer, over the summer, I'm going to get set up to where I can take my boys out in a tree with me. You know, I've only been hunting back in the woods for a, this is my first fall back in the woods after being mm-hmm. gone for a long time. But I just think, man, I got to get my boys out there. They got to, they got to have this opportunity because it's way more, it is entertainment and it is a hobby and it's fun, but it's also part of who I am and my boys will want that. And I and I want to give them the opportunity have to try. Have you ever try. thought about sending them with Rusty? How that beard? Have you seen it? <laughs> There's no way that beard's got more secrets <laughs> than all of us That's have right. in our anywhere. I think I've seen part of a hog wall fall out. Of that <laughs> 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 no that's my main kind of uh, like that's a big part i mean it's a huge part of who i am and my boys i don't know how much they know that and i know if i don't that there will come a day when i mean you've shared a ton with your son clearly but i know my boys will, there will come a day when they're like hey why didn't you so like that's my top priority this summer yeah is getting set up to where when you know i'm whitetails I'm yeah. I'm not much of a buck hunter. I I really dial in on the does. <laughs> That's good. Like I, I can say something to you. I, I've taken a lot of young kids for their first turkey hunt, their first deer hunt, bear hunts. Yeah, you know, cousins, nephews, uh, stuff like that. And I, I, unlike what Rusty was talking about, his son. That's something I'm pretty secretive with my hunting buddies and stuff. You know, but when it's the youth I've got with me. I find myself sharing a lot of stuff. I'll tell them, you know, I've done this because, or we're doing this because it helps us do this or helps yep. us stand a chance of doing this. But I also learned that to keep them interested, no matter what, you got to, when you're hunting with the youth, whether it's your kids or somebody else, <clears throat> you got to keep it fun for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. When, when they're ready to go, I don't care if there's three deer walking in front of your blind out there, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Because if you get them... You get them wore out on it, they they don't they come disinterested in it. So mm-hmm. I just thought I'd put that in. Benji Man, said that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, I think I, I think the main thing is that, and I, I I hope what a podcast like this would do would just get people thinking. You know, j- just kind of thinking about why we do the things we do. Because I, I've said it so many times on on Bear Grease that I'm I'm very interested in the things that drive us that we don't consciously make decisions about. You know, we don't and and I think that self awareness 
is pretty important. So regardless if 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 uh somebody comes to the conclusions that that we did or or maybe their situation is slightly different, but the idea is to make people think and just kind of become more aware of why you do what you do. Because there's there's always reasons why we do what we do and we just kind of flow on autopilot. And you know so we talked about social media and I'd li- I'll probably end up talking about this more later on some other podcasts because I think it's so interesting. But, uh, you know, the social media stuff really is a, a new human experience. Uh, excuse me. A new human experiment. Really is. I mean, when you think about, we are extremely primitive beings. And I mean that in the most literal way. I mean, we, we live in this modern world and there's things that humans have done for thousands and thousands and thousands of years that have made us the way that we are. And we're now doing a whole bunch of new stuff that we've never done before. And it truly is. It's like, who knows what, should the earth persist another 50 years, will be like, holy cow. That Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok was like crack cocaine and literally rotted our brains out. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but we don't know the the consequences of all, a lot of the stuff we're doing. And I mean, that's just the truth. It, and it might sound far-fetched, but it's actually not. You know, you look back at all kind of stuff that humans have done that in the moment they, you know, didn't understand. And obviously, uh, you know, the, the, it would be more social consequences, mm-hmm. you know, um, but, uh, and we, we really didn't even scratch the surface of it. We just kind of introduced this idea of validation and identity as it relates to social media. And, uh, you know, some people can, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it, if it doesn't, don't, but what do you think, Josh, you're trying to build a social media empire. Oh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's coming along. Put too. a kink in your tail. <laughs> no, I think I'll be okay. If I wake up in the morning and all my followers are gone, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it is, it is interesting though, that you see so many people like, like I've the term influencer now, I mean, it's just thrown around and it's like a status symbol. And really, you know, when you think about it and when you think about the things that really matter in life, um, you know, I, I, I do I do want to influence people with my life, but I also want to come in contact with people. I want people to know who I am, not just what I portray, you mm-hmm. know. And, and so I think the relational aspect of things is way more important to me than a picture I put on Instagram or Facebook. And, you know, it, it just in the in the simple example with Keith, you know, I've never met Keith until this weekend. We've communicated on on Instagram. And when he messaged me, I said, man, let's go together. And uh, because those are, that's what's really valuable to me. And uh, I, I think those are the things that are going to help you. I mean, we have an epidemic right now of, of mental health and relational disconnection. And to be able to spend time with people and to share life, that's what's really valuable. And uh, I, think, I, think, uh, I, I think it's great what Rustin shared with you, Rusty, just... Hey, Dad, I want more. Basically, he's saying, I want more of you. I don't want just the information. I want more of you. And to have your, your immediate relational sphere reach out to you like that means a lot. 
And it's a uh, huge win. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many dads would kill to have their sons say that? Oh, yeah. And then how many sons would kill to have a dad that they feel like they could say that to? Well, that's phenomenal. Well, the only thought I have, and I sure don't know the answer to it, is why Why do I want to be on Instagram? Am I trying to create an image of myself to other people? I mean, I find it entertaining. Why do people want to be on Facebook? What are we doing? I mean, what's the deal? And we all do it. It's apparently in all of us, this experience that you're talking about, this experiment we're going through. Yeah. I mean, it's who would have ever thought people would want to put their life out there in front of everybody to look at? Of course, you you have the ability to pick what you put Yeah, on the yeah. social media. I remember when Facebook, I remember us making fun of Facebook, like people saying, man, people are like putting like, Oh, I'm washing clothes today. <laughs> yeah. Remember when Facebook, it like when you got on it, when it first came out, it would say like, Josh Spielmaker is, is. Yeah. and then it had the blank. And I just always felt like who in the world would care that I'm doing the laundry right now? Yeah. And I think like, like you said earlier, Gary, like what, what makes us want to do that? It's the same thing. Like you got a really good story you want to share. And if I know I've got a really good story and I'm halfway decent at sharing it, I love sharing it because I know the buddies that I share it with, I'll have the room and I'll have that feeling like they like me, they validate me, I'm as cool as I would like to think I am, at least for a moment. And I think there's a twinge of that inside of every time I've got something, I actually think if I put it on Instagram, somebody might like it. I'm like, oh, well, this will be cool. It's that same kind of moment before I'm going to tell this story to the little group that I'm in. But now it's so much easier to do because – a, a picture well, it, to me is easier to post than actually like saying it's, something. It's, just I never a, know it's what to a say. digital. It's a digital version of 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 what Telling is happening inside of relationships. Yep. I mean, like you know, when I go to Instagram or Facebook, like I am just exp- exponentially increasing the amount of people that hear about my fishing trip, my deer, my turkey, or what I did with my family. Yeah, and professionals so it, have that, but the average lady sitting in a home or me sitting in my home i'm not too sure we're not trying to cultivate a healthy image of ourselves. i mean i never show a picture of my stuff i like when it's dirty you know i mean it's always clean and shiny (laughs) and so i mean i think we're 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 trying to create something that that you know there's a little truth to it i will say look on my instagram it's nothing but does on there I'm posting them, boys. I'll post whatever. Bros and does. That's exactly. Hey, but even the professionals on Instagram, and I'm pointing to Clay, they're doing the same thing. They're they're putting an image on there, and they're it's cleaned. You're just hey, they're branding themselves (laughs) Uh to make more money. I think we're branding ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're all so much alike. I'm so much like the Clovis people. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it hadn't changed much, really. In uh, you know, it, we're, we're all pretty much alive. We've been telling stories and trying to grab the room since the beginning of time, and now we just have a little different way of doing it. It's mm-hmm. Facebook or it's Instagram. Who knows what it'll mm-hmm. be in mm-hmm. a decade? But it's still we're trying to tell a story and get recognition and form a 
like a kind of community around ourselves. Same song. You know, the mm-hmm. stuff you see in caves. I mean, it's like, look at this big buck I killed. Here. Yeah, exactly. Buffalo. They didn't draw does on the cave. <laughs> no, they didn't. I, I do not like Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> big bison. Uh, hey, I had a guy this week send me a replica Folsom point, but it, it was a, it what it's it's not stone. It's a three D a three D printed Folsom oh, really? point. That's pretty cool. That, as I understand it, he was there when it was found, and it, yeah, I don't have it. I don't have it in my hand. Wait, he found a three D. <laughs> Wait a minute. He, he found he three D printed a three D print. He found point. he was with somebody when they found a real Folsom point. I mean, just a incredible Folsom point. I'll, I'll show it to you guys later. And uh, super thin. I mean, just like as thin as the bill of that hat. And um, when you just look at every single on angle on it, the the fluting on it is concave and just beautiful. And anyway, he he sent me a lo- really nice letter. Um, his last name's Bender. I, I've got to get around to. He wrote me a letter. I wish you to give like me his a handwritten email letter. Yeah, hand. It was beautiful. People he, still do he, that. Man, he did, and he oh. knew it. I'd read it. And I did, um, but uh, it was really it was really cool. Yeah, false, too bad you don't know people. how to write. I know I don't even know where the post office Dad is in this it. town. <laughs> um, hey, okay, March the fifth. If you yes. want to talk about bears, bear hunting in this part of the world, m- mid America, the 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 southern highlands, uh, come to Rogers, Arkansas, March the fifth. Mo's going to be there. Uh, Josh will be there. I'm going to be there. I don't know. Maybe Dan will be there. I'm going to try. Um, we're going it, to – it's called the Black Bear Bonanza. Arkansas BHA is putting it on, and we're going to – it's going to be – it's a real deal lineup. We're going to have a Black Bear Biologist panel. I'm pretty sure the Arkansas Bear Biologist Myron Means will be there. I, I believe Laura Conley, uh, the the Missouri Bear Biologist or, or – yeah, large carnivore biologist up there will be there, and probably somebody from Oklahoma. And uh, I'm going to be there. We're going to have an owl hooting contest. Man, Ooh. I would drive across the country to go to a real live owl hooting contest. <laughs> yep, you're going to have to compete against Mo Shepherd. I'm not even Good stepping luck. up to the plate. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm going to give you. I'm going to give a foreshadowing sneak peek that'll blow your mind. <laughs> Two days ago. I was in Will Primo's house, and we owl hooted. I, I he owl hooted for me. I owl hooted for him. And what do you like? What was I'm not going to tell you what was said. Have you improved like, lately? <laughs> I, I'm probably the same. <laughs> I found I, owl hooters don't improve much. They just kind of either have you it or they the don't. Plateau. Yeah, you plateau out. But how about that? That's pretty That's cool. Pretty good. You'll you'll see it. That's pretty cool. Trust me, you'll see it. We did how a little, old is we did Will a little crow calling too. How old Will is Primos Will? is set, he'll be seventy should we years say, old. Should 70. we say his age? I mean, we're just telling all. Yeah, well, I know. I mean, he keeps some secrets. I mean, yeah, he was young when I was young. He was young <laughs> when you <he> were. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just leave it there. That was the foreshadow. So March fifth, that's pretty cool. Come, it's an all day event. I think we're going to try to render some bear fat. Oh, cool. uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Where's uh, it at? It's at in it's Rogers. It's at the at Quail Barn in Rogers, quail. Arkansas. Benton County it's Quail like, Barn. It's Rogers. like an event center type deal. Uh, number two, as we're closing down, you can buy bear grease hats now on com. 
that man, they were out of stock for like four months, and uh, they just they just came back in. And so I ordered mine the other day. You got my wife ordered mine for me. Good. Or hey, where's the Panther hat, man? Man, you know what? I, mm, sometimes promises don't come through as quickly as you'd like <laughs> them to, and I have nothing to do with that, unfortunately. Uh, they're coming. Yeah, we're gonna have some believer. It's got a black panther on it. You got a believer. <laughs> your believer of, and it's gonna happen. Um, so that's gonna happen. There's also some bear grease shirts. There's one that says Acorn, and it's got an Acorn with a big mustache, <laughs> and it says Bear Grease. It's a cool Love shirt. It. It's a great shirt. <laughs> it is a good. Uh, shirt. There's also a, a a shirt. Those are on the website. I yeah, think, those are they? for sale. You yeah. can buy those right now. There's a shirt that has a jar, a mason jar of bear grease, and it says bear grease, and it has all, lists all the things you can do with bear grease. And there's another one that I haven't promoted that's a big barred owl flying through the air, and it says, hoo, 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 barred owl, <laughs> like a quote. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that's so, awesome. Uh, anyway, barred owl, bear grease, um, and then uh, the the acorn shirt so you can check all that out thanks guys hey i hope it was clear that the reason i could interrogate these guys like i did is because these are two of the best deer hunters that i know bar none for sure so that's the only reason i can manhandle these guys and it's an honor to be in the room you don't know all that many hunters in do you (laughs) (laughs) no you guys both you guys for sure at the at the very top of the heap in my book for this part of the world for sure so thank you guys for being a part of the the, Enjoy the podcast thanks Enjoy for it. the kind word yeah rest you doe hunters <laughs> 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 good luck doe hunters yeah. and the four inch hey dad catchers. did you have you want to tell us that story you were dying to tell Oh, no, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> you know, so, you know the thing that I enjoy the most right now is just uh, you know getting out in the wilderness and a side by side. So you know, but no, no, I you're don't. You're done. Secret. I'm done. I'm it's done. Secret. You have to wait. Getting out in the wilderness. Wait on that. Burning the side by side of the ground. Burn to the ground. You want to see that picture? It's on my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I've looked at right. it a few times. Thanks, guys. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance access deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. 